0: The Bible says, Be not deceived, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap.
1: All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is?
2: Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know.
3: We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years
2: of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review.
4: Welcome to Financial Issues. We are a ministry that is here every day to help you be the best steward that you can be with everything that God has given you. We believe that God owns everything and we want to honor Him and we try to help you put Christ in first place in your portfolio. So our main focus is to help you build a biblically responsible portfolio because we don't want to use the money that God has trusted us with to fund an unholy agenda. We also encourage you to fund the light. It's not enough just to defund darkness. We have to be obedient in our giving. If you are listening to us live, then you are uh, listening during the week at eight AM Central Time, nine AM Eastern Time. If you're not listening during those hours, you can catch this program live uh, every weekday. On the best place to do that is on our phone app. So. Uh, download that if you're an app user or on our website, financialissues.org. You can catch the program live and you can catch all of the replays if you miss anything. So it's a great way to go back and do that. But speaking of funding the light, one of the, one of the best ways that you can do that, especially if you're listening on AFR and you're blessed by their ministry, is to check out their charitable gift annuity. So that is a way that you can get some permanent income in your program In your portfolio, you can also honor God while you're doing it because you're going to be making a permanent gift to the good work that the AFA Foundation does. So hop on over to our website, financialissues.org. You can click on that AFA banner and get over to get some information on how you can do just that. Well, a summary of the economic news that has happened this week there's been quite a bit of it. Uh, Fed Chairman Jay Powell addressed both both houses of Congress this week during his semi-annual report to Congress about the state of the economy and the projected path forward of how the Fed is um, formulating policy to try to get this horse of inflation back in the barn. Well, we've also gotten a good bit of labor market data this week, and next week we will get the big inflation numbers just ahead of the next Federal Reserve rate decision that will come out uh, on March 23rd, I believe. So, J Powell took a real scathing in the Senate from Senators Brown and. Elizabeth Warren, they were implying that inflation was caused by Russia and the pandemic and everything else, but what really caused it. Now, Senator Scott had a more common sense welcome for Powell, rightly owning the government's contribution to inflation, which is its out-of-control spending. He said that the progressive left used the pandemic as a Trojan horse to bring in spending that funded their leftist agenda. I couldn't agree more. Elizabeth Warren ripped Powell for plotting to put at least two million people out of work because he's raising rates. She really twisted what he said, but took no ownership for her and the and her progressive party's out of control spending, which is what really has driven inflation um, as much as it ha- as much as it's gone up. Now, the market pulled back significantly on Powell's first day of testimony, and we heard him say things like the Fed is strongly committed to returning inflation to its 2% target and that they have a lot more work to do. Now, I don't think inflation is going to return to 2% anytime soon, maybe even ever. (laughs) We hear a lot about this Fed pivot, meaning that when the Fed is going to pivot from interest rate increases, I think the Fed pivot is going to be more like well, we're not gonna get back to two percent, so let's just push that target up to maybe three or three and a half. Current data, according to Powell, was that the labor market is still really strong and seems to be bucking the trend towards softening based on the January. Jobs report. So much of the data that the Fed gets and formulates their policy on is dated. He does acknowledge that there's a lag in that data, but, you know, what can we do? We just don't have good enough technology to get real current data. So he referenced the January jobs report, even though we're now in March. He also talked about GDP, which measures growth in the economy, that uh, President Biden took great victory laps in his first State of the Union speech, as we saw the GDP up over 5 percent. And he took credit for it. All it really was was a recovery from COVID, from turning off the switch of the economy. Now, he said that GDP has slowed to 0.69 percent. So, approaching the negative range. So, the definition of a recession, technically, is two quarters of negative GDP growth. So, will we, won't we? I don't know. That's still up for debate. But at the same time that Powell was delivering his second day of testimony to Congress, the JOLTS report came out. So, the JOLTS is a monthly report that is put out by the BLS, or the Bureau of Labor Statistics, That counts job vacancies and separations, including the number of workers voluntarily quitting employment. Now, JOLTS data is released nearly a month after the monthly jobs report for the same reference period. So we just got the JOLTS data for January, which was a really, really strong read on the labor market. So job openings, this indicates demand for labor, you know, companies are asking for people to come to work, so that's demand for labor, declined slightly in January, but was far outnumbered uh, available workers as the labor picture remains tight, Powell said. <laughs> it also showed that there were 10 point, a little over 10.8 million job openings, but that was down from December. That equates to 1.8 Nine job openings per available worker or 513 million un, uh, untaken jobs. So that's still plenty of jobs for the 2 million people that Elizabeth Warren feels may lose their jobs if the Fed keeps tightening. Also, from the JOLTS report, the number of hires and total separations changed little. There were 6.4 million hires and 5.9 million quits. So still more hires than quits, which could lead us to believe that the unemployment rate would go even lower than than it is now at the historically low levels. Now, it's really hard to go into a recession with still so many people working and so many jobs available. A more current labor market report came out this week as well. The ADP private non-farm payroll jobs uh, for February came in stronger than expected at 242,000 versus the 200,000 that was expected and much higher than the government numbers that are expected to be around 203,000. So unemployment data came out indicating that the labor market is continuing to soften. So a little bit different than uh, the read in the January numbers, which was kind of a bump in the road on the path lower. The number of Americans filing for unemployment jumped by 21,000 from the previous week to 211. Continuing claims also increased and the four week moving average increased. So uh, what seems to be a little bit bad uh, of bad news, you know, unemployment is uh always has this negative connotation, especially if you listen to Elizabeth Warren, but the the labor market is still strong, but it is starting to softening. So this latest data that came out about unemployment claims indicates that there is a divergence from the um, from this strong labor market conditions that we've seen, and they are starting to soften. So it will be interesting to see what the labor participation number looks like because the best situation that we could see is higher inflation will push more people back into the labor market. The ending of of government um, entitlement programs or relief programs that keep people out of work will increase the labor participation, increasing The uninflation rate. So, more people working, that's a good thing. Well, folks, I hear the music, so that means that we're coming up on a break.
5: It's important to be prepared for the future, so we invest now to be responsible and ensure our financial future. But what many of us don't know is that how we invest just might be dishonoring to our Lord and Savior. There are companies that you could be investing in that support pornography, gambling, abortion, human trafficking, and other things that God detests. Invest with integrity. Invest biblically with the Timothy Plan.
0: American Family Association President, Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40 plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you and it will ensure that we stay in the fight for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's
2: 800-326-4543, extension 345.
4: Did you know that an average 1.2 million babies are aborted each year? Listen, we have an opportunity at Financial Issues to change that, and we're doing it. Tens of thousands of lives have been saved because of Financial Issues listeners just like you. For $140, you could save the lives of five babies. All $140 goes to the Pregnancy Center to sponsor ultrasounds. 80% of the time, these ultrasounds will change the mind of a young lady that is considering abortion to choose life. Would you join us in the fight against the atrocity of abortion? I hope that you'll go to preborn.org or call pound 250 the keyword is baby when you're asked. Preborn.org. That's preborn.org.
1: FISM News is a conservative news source with a biblical worldview. With us, you get just the news grounded in truth. And now, with the new FISM TV app, it's even easier to take FISM News with you wherever you go so you're never behind on what's happening. Not only are FISM news articles updated regularly throughout the day, but you can now easily access and read them right from your smartphone. And with just a few taps, you can share stories with friends through messages, email, or social media. Also, you can conveniently watch or listen to The Daily Show on demand and even go back to see recent broadcasts. Coming soon, you'll be able to download the podcast version of the news for offline use. So go ahead and visit your app store, download the new FISM TV app, and start exploring this engaging, educational, Christ-centered content today.
2: Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review.
4: Welcome back to Financial Issues. Interact with us if you're watching on social media, places like YouTube, Facebook, and Rumble, or on our website, financialissues.org. There is a chat there that you can become a part of if you log in. So, uh, we look forward to interacting with you here today. So, just before the break, I was just talking about the summary of economic data that we've seen this week. You know, the, the labor market data coming out, Fed given his uh, Fed Chair Powell giving his testimony to Congress. Um, one interesting thing that he also said was that the Fed can't save the U.S. from the dire consequences. Of defaulting on its debt. That's not a direct quote, that's my summary. But he would not go so far as to enlighten Congress on the real cause for lots of the inflation that we see that he can do nothing about with the tools in his toolbox. That is, too many dollars chasing too few goods. This was uh, this inflation, that is the definition of inflation, was created uh, by the government's out of control spending. Um, printing and injecting money into the economy and um, partly caused by the COVID response when we shut down the economy, putting a lot of money in people's bank accounts at the same time that we had all these supply chain issues that created a decrease in the supply of goods that we had. So, you know, when you get a speeding ticket, sometimes you have to take like a driving course Um, About your reckless habits that could cause damage like wrecks or, you know, going through divorces, God forbid, you might have to take some parenting courses to to try to educate you on how you can undo some of the damage that um, a divorce might cause to your family. I think Congress needs to take some economics 101 courses because they won't acknowledge their part in all this. They can't even see it. It's just a bunch of political posturing and grandstanding, pointing the finger at somebody else, expecting somebody, somebody else to fix a problem that they won't even acknowledge that they caused. So it's bit It's been a bit of a rough week for the markets. By midweek, the the S&P and the NASDAQ were both down around 1.5%, largely due to Fed testimony to Congress and the reports in the labor market that we see. Also, in the Treasury market, that's been some really big news, too. As the two-year Treasury has jumped to its highest level since 2007, it's uh, somewhere around 5%, hovering a little bit below and above 5%. The yield curve has inverted. We've seen the two-year yield go even higher. The spread between the 2 and the 10 go even higher. Um, That just indicates that the market is pricing in more rate increases. I wanted to remind you, too, if you're a partner, Craig Halgert, he and his wife are going to be at the Financial Issues Retreat that is coming up just next month. So there are just a handful of rooms left. If you want to come and meet Craig, Twyla Brace will also be there. Tony Perkins will be our keynote speaker. I'll be there. Seth will be there. Seth's probably the one that everybody wants to meet the most, though.
5: Oh, I don't know about that, (laughs) If you want to come and meet Seth, (laughs)
4: you should come. Um, A lot lot of the other staff, Yvonne, will be there as well. We'll also have a a memorial service for uh, Dan to celebrate his life and his legacy. So we hope that you will... Uh, check that out and come on over.
6: And, you know, Shanna, I have heard rumors that there will be some kind of sing-along and you'll be leading it. That's what I've heard. Not 100% sure. You're but that's misinformed. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally Is misinformed. Is that misinformation? <laughs> yes. Yes.
4: Well, let's get to some of your calls. We've got Kathy calling from Florida. Hi, Kathy.
7: Hi, Shanna. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, we, we have um, both Roth and traditional IRAs, and I understand how the taxes work for that. But we have uh, just opened a, uh, just a regular stock account now, um, and, and we're using the, the core account in there just to hold some money. And I'm just wondering, if we want to take some of that money out, do we get taxed on that?
4: If it's just a uh, money market account that always remains steady at a dollar, then you should not. You shouldn't see a, a, a gain or loss. Now, if you earn some interest, that interest is taxable.
7: Okay, so we if we take some out, how how do we know what part is interest and what part is the money we put in? I mean, they figure that out somehow.
4: Well, your interest should just be paid into your into your core account, and you get a ten ninety nine for that every year.
7: Okay. Okay.
4: Yeah, okay. and I and if it that. always stays at a dollar, you don't have a gain or a loss if you sell.
7: Okay. And then uh, the RMDs did the. Um, age go up for that this year? Was there a change made? There was a change
4: that was made in 2020, so they changed the required minimum start date from 70 and a half to 72. Now, if you had already started taking your RMDs, you had to continue on that path.
7: Okay, so there's not an age 73, it's 72 is the highest
4: i um, not a tax professional, so you should double check there, okay. but it okay. is going up to 75 at some point, but I don't, I'm not exactly sure of the schedule.
7: Okay. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help.
4: All right. Thanks, Kathy. And
7: thanks for your message, Thanks, Kathy. Yep. Bye-bye.
8: Bye. Okay.
4: All right. Let's go to Cecilia. Cecilia's calling from Florida.
8: <laughs> Good morning, Shana. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. And for all you. We really appreciate the hand holding. Uh, <laughs> I know I've asked this before, but I was reviewing my portfolio tracker uh, and I'm an income investor. I know to take my dividends, but what about the capital gains uh, on the positions that I own that are f- uh, fixed income and mm-hmm. some of the mutual? Well,
4: I wouldn't imagine that there would be a whole lot of capital gains right now in fixed income as we've been in a rising interest rate environment that usually makes uh, the values of fixed income investments go down. But we don't have a profit taking strategy, so to speak. We don't just take profits because they're there. Uh, what I recommend is rebalancing or reviewing your asset allocation three or four times a year. So if you're reviewing and you're significantly out of balance, meaning more than four or five percent over in a particular sector, or if the asset allocation models were to change in some way, then, you know, periodically, now you don't want to go in and do this every month. You don't want to rebalance your account. There's a, there's a, um, a threshold that you can cross over where rebalancing becomes counterproductive if you do it too often. So if you're rebalancing your portfolio two, three, four times a year and you're significantly over in a particular sector, then you should pair that back. What that looks like most of the time is profit taking because you end up selling some things that are up in value.
8: Okay. All right. So, uh, we just you know back in november when when the uh asset allocation <clears throat> model was revamped we we've been adjusting you know accordingly but that's what brought us to uh the point of trying to find out where the dividends were going and then we ran into the capital gains issue and i said what do we do with them so calling you was the best thing just to make sure so leave them leave them in until it looks like i've got overage in that position or that sector
4: yeah and the other thing too is you know capital gains um, can be offset with capital losses too so if you're doing that rebalancing and you have to take some things that are um you know that have some gains you may look to see what kind of um Capital loss harvesting you can do to offset those gains, and also check your tax bracket because if you are in the twelve percent tax bracket, your capital gains tax rate is actually zero. So it you know you have to <clears throat> you have to figure out how taking those gains is going <clears> to <throat> impact your tax bracket. But um, I would certainly explore all of those areas.
8: Yeah, that that's a good point. The gain and the loss will even though it's all pretty much on paper until I sell it there's some funds that are generated at times okay right. I think I think that's the answer to my question I'll go from there and not overwork balancing (laughs) thanks good (laughs) thanks we could
4: help glad we could help thanks for calling Uh All right. let's go to Dee Dee's calling from Tennessee hi Dee
3: good morning Shanna I so appreciate y'all and your ministry um Hey. (laughs) Um, So, excuse me, Um, I agree with Congress needing some kind of remedial education. (laughs) Uh, They need to prove they can balance a checkbook. (laughs) That would be my requirement for each and every one of them. Yes, thank you very much. Um, I am 58, uh, rapidly approaching what I hope will be retirement, Um, and I have a question. The financial advisor for my 403B has advised me to roll my IRA and my Roth IRAs into my 403B at this point. What's your opinion?
4: What is the stated reason?
3: <laughs> um, I guess so he can manage them. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 403B. Yes.
4: All right, so, so there's it, really
3: no benefit to that, I guess.
4: It doesn't make sense to me. Um, you have much more freedom in the individual accounts that they're in now um, you have, you know, you could, if you're on a self directed platform, you can invest in whatever you want to invest in. So, if you're a partner, you're following along with the strategy, you have good information to point you in the direction where you need to be. If you move those into the 403B, then you will be limited to the menu of options that they offer, which are most likely not biblically responsible.
3: I gotcha. I gotcha. And um, I have. I heard y'all's advice, advice for so long, and I am just a slow mover and silly and have not uh, employed everything, but I take notes, especially lately. I've heard people talk about how to do the tracker and um, put everything in there just to see where everything is. Um, my slow brain was thinking it was all new money. I had to do the, the um, allocations based on new money, and Anyway, I'm figuring it out. I will probably ask more questions. <laughs> That's great. One, but I do appreciate y'all. And um, thank you for keeping Christ first. God bless yes, y'all.
4: thank you. Thanks, and Steve. Lord willing, we will be here to answer those questions for you. So I encourage you to do that. Um, it's, a, it's a great thing. That tracker is a really great tool. Um, if you're just tuning in or new to the ministry, then... If you want to know what Dee's talking about, head on over to financialissues.org and you can learn all about our strategy to help you honor God in your investments by investing biblically responsibly. Um, you can We put forth a strategy where you can build your own biblically responsible portfolio using our asset allocation models and our um, stock mutual fund etf buy list strategy so i encourage you to do that well folks don't go anywhere we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back with more financial issues
0: thank you for your services and i just want to call to encourage everybody listening to
2: become members At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances,
0: even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. It is incredibly
2: generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today.
6: All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India, at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit indiapartners.org to see how your gift can reach into the Red Light District and provide days of safety for one of these 5 million children.
2: Securities offered through GA REPL and Company, a registered broker, dealer, and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only, and do not necessarily represent those of GA REPL or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it, and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan.
4: Welcome back to Financial Issues. As we progress in the show today, we're getting to an interactive part of the show where we're going to hear from you, hear some questions. Let's go to Rob calling from Ohio. Hi, Rob.
2: Hi, Shanna. I hope you're having a great morning so far. I am. I am good. Hey, I just had a few questions here um, about the the way, so I kind of, I'm trying to learn more how this, this works specifically. And um, um, I just need a little advice and some help. Um, we're, I'm 52. Um, we're partners. We, we have the portfolio tracker. Um, and we're trying to build a, a portfolio and we just, I, I just don't quite get it fully. Um, Cause sometimes, um, I mean, I know it may be a specific thing for a specific person that you talk about sometimes online, but, one of the things that uh that I wanted to ask was um, you know, how how to arrive at the proper percentages um on those portfolio on the portfolio tracker? Because it seems like we, we, we put money in, put money in the different sectors and we're still not balancing out. We don't know how to balance that out. Um,
4: not sure exactly what you mean. I mean, if you've got all of your positions listed on the tracker and it's populating the correct amount, you just have to make sure sometimes there'll be some errors in there. If you get anything other than just the data that's supposed to go in the field, it, it'll um, not show up. So you want to, first thing you want to do is make sure that your total matches what your total portfolio is. So when you get to the bottom of what's on the tracker, make sure that that's exactly the amount of money that you're uh, brokerage account it, or account or accounts are showing, and um, if not, just make sure go to that far right hand, not the far right hand column, but one of the ones at the end, and just make sure that you know there's there's nothing that's not showing up there. Um, then, whenever you click on the output, there's a bar graph. And it gives you a really simple output. It shows you in yellow what your targets are for the asset allocation model that you selected. And then it shows you in dark blue or black where your portfolio sits. So it um, should be very easy to see which places that you're lacking. And then that's where you need to go and look at the buy list to see what needs to go in there.
2: Okay. Um, that, let me see here. Uh Kind of open my phone up here to get to my questions. Have my all right. Um, so, what do you mean when you say like new money versus um, you, you know you you mentioned a portfolio already being built? Um, is there like a time to stop investing money? Like how does how do you know when a portfolio is like built? And uh, your
4: this? portfolio is building as long as you are. Anything different from what the asset allocation models and I'll have to be a little bit careful here in I want to protect the integrity of the strategy for partners because you know we do have paying partners I don't want to get too much into the details of it that's a lot of it's on the partner side already. So, you know, when you're in the accumulation phase of your life cycle, whenever you're adding money in, you're building a portfolio. So, it's very easy to see when you have everything that's listed there in your portfolio. If you're if you're too high in cash, that means that your portfolio is not completely built. Once you get to the point where all of your money is allocated exactly um whenever your bar charts line up and when when everything it matches the targets, that's when your portfolio is built. So at that point, sometimes people will um, think, sometimes partners will think that if something comes, new comes onto the buy list that they need to buy it. That's not the case. So the buy list is only for new money when you need to fill in a sector or a part of your asset allocation model. So there are partners and they're at all different stages of building a portfolio. We've got, you know, some 20 years 20-year-olds who are dollar cost averaging every month. We have, you know, maybe people that will um, have changed jobs, they're rolling over, maybe they sold a house, maybe they've got a, an inheritance to invest. So when the majority or, or when a, a good bit of your money is in the cash part, you're in the building phase. Once you, get to, once you get all of your money allocated, you're no longer building, you're in the maintenance phase. So you just have to know the difference in how that the buy list works. The buy list is for new money. And there's lots of places in the website that will define what new money is.
2: Okay. Because what, um, what, what I'm looking to do, my, I'm, I started late, obviously. Um, I've only been doing this for a couple of years now. But um, I, what I typically do is put a certain amount, you know, a couple of grand, $1,500, a couple of grand every month in um, and to, get, mm-hmm. and to you know, keep building this. And, um, and is, is, that a good, is that a good thing to do?
4: Oh, absolutely. Um, you know you're you're either in the accumulation phase or you're in in the distribution phase of of life. And as long as you're working, you know, um, the ability to earn income is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. And so when you're in the accumulation phase, you're you're in the building phase. So you know when you deposit that money into your account every month, that makes your cash go up. So that means that you're in the building phase. And you can just look at your uh, your asset allocation and decide where that new money needs to be deployed.
2: Okay, great. Thank you so much. And will, I'm sorry. Just one, one last fast question. I'm I'm, I'm very high. i um, about ten percent high on my um, in my energy sector right now, um, and low in other areas. Would it, do you, do you think it would be? And I'm really really up in those areas. Would it be good to, to sell off a portion of that to get that lower, just to add into other areas?
4: Now that means that you're 10 points over your target. Yes. Yeah, I would I would look at maybe taking a little bit off there at least, you know, try to get down to where you're no more than 5% over your target. Um, And I say that for you because you're still in the building phase. So all of that new money can go into other areas because every time you put money in, that increases the total amount of the portfolio just by the nature. Unless, of course, the energy stocks keep doing well, that's going to reduce the total percentage that you have there. So (laughs) you can do it partially by taking some of the profits off the table. But then, you know, you don't want to take all of them because, eventually things will even themselves out, you know, things, um, certain sectors that are out of favor will come back into favor. And then, you know, if you go all the way back down to your target on energy, if then we have a correction, then you're looking at needing to add more money in and then you're probably going to be buying back what you just sold. So reduce it to just 5% 5 over and then use the money that you're putting in every single month to build up those other sectors.
2: Terrific! Thanks for all your help. Appreciate it. All right.
4: Great. Keep Thanks, at it, Rob. You're doing a great job.
2: Thanks.
4: Well, folks, <clears throat> I hope that is um, edifying. And if you are, if your interest is peaked now, if you are not a, a partner and you want to get in and you want to learn how to do this strategy on your own and build a biblically responsible portfolio, you can go to financialissues.org and click on Become a Partner. There are also some things that you can read and learn about the partnership to see if this is going to work for you. So we just encourage you, you know, we, we put, we give Jesus Christ first place in every area of our lives. We try to, and we're here every day to help you put Jesus first in your portfolio. Um, I know we're coming up on a break, but we probably have yep. time to get some of the website. Yeah, and let's do that. social.
6: James on YouTube saying, good morning. FISM team. Is it possible to buy uh, one to two treasury instruments through our brokerage instead of CDs?
4: I will say probably, but I have no idea who your brokerage is and and what they allow. So the best way to do that is just to uh, maybe go online and try to go into the fixed income platform and search for some securities that you could buy. If you have to, you could probably call their support number. I would just say be a little bit cautious because, you know, one of the reasons that, I mean, it is a little bit profitable for discount brokerages to run, uh, you know, Accounts where they don't charge any commissions to people, but most of them also have a um, financial advisory team. And a lot of times, when you call in and ask questions, they'll say, "Why don't you let us get you some help from, you know, an advisor?" So many times, I've heard so many stories that um, people would think that just because you know we may um, suggest a certain platform to do your trading on, that. That means that the whole thing is biblically responsible. But many times when people do accept that help, they learn that um, lots of times the advisors don't even know what biblically responsible investing is. So I would say contact your your trading platform and find out if you can do that. And yes, I would say, you know the the shorter term treasuries on the shorter end of the the yield curve, um, two years or less are, Like I said earlier, hovering around that 5%, but I've also been able to find some one to two year CDs that are, I found a 5.25% CD um, not long ago. So um, I would just say, check that out and look and see what's available and go for it. Mary
6: is saying my husband and I are sixty and sixty six years old. I have a little retirement investment, he has none. Recently a friend was telling us about a certain type of insurance. We were told they will invest in SP five hundred and global index. Our coverage will be five hundred thousand each. How can we know that these are god fearing investments? What do you think, Shannon?
4: Well, you know, the <clears throat> the focus of biblically responsible investing is not that we try to find companies that are God-fearing because there just really aren't many of them out there. What we're actually looking for is companies that are just not engaged in the culture war. So what he's talking about is most likely has some life insurance component with it, with investments. Um, I think that those two things should be separate. Your life insurance coverage should be done separately from your investing because it really increases the cost of that. So um, I would opt for a different strategy. I hear the music, folks. We're going to come back. We've got several calls in the queue, and we're going to get to those right after this break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back with more financial issues.
2: People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's
6: story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament. Christianity, this idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife.
2: Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other
9: members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank?
6: Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account.
9: Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, Our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money building God's kingdom
0: in the financial business, we manage a couple of trusts and some estates, and of course our own monies too.
9: Courtney Trotter talks about
2: the charitable gift annuity from the AFA Foundation.
0: I understand annuities about as much as anyone, I guess, can, so I just felt the charitable gift annuity was a win-win situation for many people that still are generating income and still have assets because you never know when you may have to draw down on something like that. And if you don't ever have to, then it's even a better gift to get to a really good foundation like AFA, a very solid investment, a good way to help do the Lord's work, and it's there to help us as well. Find out if the charitable gift annuity can work for you by calling the AFA Foundation at
2: 800-326-4543, extension 345.
5: It's important to be prepared for the future, so we invest now to be responsible and ensure our financial future. But what many of us don't know is that how we invest just might be dishonoring to our Lord and Savior. There are companies that you could be investing in that support pornography, gambling, abortion, human trafficking, and other things that God detests. Invest with integrity. Invest biblically with the Timothy Plan.
2: The opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors. Additionally, all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program.
4: Welcome back to Financial Issues, where a call-in, interactive, social media kind of program where you get to ask us questions about the market, the economy, and all of the financial issues that you wrestle with we help you to honor God by investing in a biblically responsible way and give you um, advice about how to best honor God with all that he's trusted you with well we've got several callers in the queue so let's get right to them first we have Joe Joe's calling from Indiana hi Joe
0: good morning Shanna thank good you morning. For taking my call Hmm. hear me
7: okay yep
0: okay um Shanna, I am in the process of rebuilding my portfolio to align with the 45 to 55 model. Currently, I have a 55 to 65 model not completed. Um, I have a mix of old stocks that may not be biblically responsible, uh, purchased before I listened to Dan, and uh, with the aging, how do I establish the the cost basis? You know, I bought some at 140, 150, 160, whatever the case may be. How do you get the average cost basis in order to enter it into the portfolio tracker?
4: I think the best way to do that is to look at the brokerage firm, the platform that you're on. Um, They will calculate a cost basis for you, and you can just um, put that in.
0: It's averaged uh, from them? It's averaged of all of the different purchases?
4: It should be. Um, And when you click on it, you should be able to look at how they're calculating it?
0: Okay. Next question is, how do I know the sector? Um, if, If it's not on the buy list, I don't exactly know what sector it belongs
4: in. Yep, that's a little bit more difficult. You know, we're we're working on the back end of the website, hopefully to get a list up that makes it easier to reference that. But um, either a quick Google search, you know, just asking or Google or whatever search engine you use um, to to say what sector is whatever stock in. Another way to do it is to use the research um, information that's given on the brokerage platform that you're using. Usually, if you click on a summary. Of the company it will tell you which sector they're in.
0: Okay and then the last question on this subject is uh, percentage of what when when you're building a portfolio let's say you have a hundred thousand to invest um, and it's seven percent goes to materials. Uh, So that's 7,000 but if you don't have a starting number how does the portfolio tracker establish that 7% you know of of each of the different categories how does you know i, I don't have an, a starting number
4: Right. So you want to include all of the investments that you're including in your portfolio, including the cash. So if you look in the cash part, there's a symbol that you can use. You can use the money market symbol for whatever brokerage platform that you're using as well. But if you don't have a symbol, maybe some of it's um, in a CD or in the bank, you can use the, the symbol that's listed there on the cash part. So if... 60% 60% of your portfolio is in cash, you want to make sure that that's on there because it's very important because the total is where the percentage comes from. So once you get done entering in all of your positions, um, go to the bottom and see what the total is. So if you've got $100,000 to invest, make sure that it says $100,000 there at the bottom. Okay. All right. That makes sense.
3: Thank Great. You very much, Shanna.
4: Thanks, Joe. Thanks for being a partner, and I'm so glad to hear that you're using that portfolio tracker. Folks, if you are not using that portfolio tracker and you're doing it on your own, I have no clue how you're even doing it unless you're really good at making spreadsheets and things because our strategy here is very unique. Um, we our, our primary goal is to honor God, so we screen out stocks that are not biblically responsible, and then we have the asset allocation models on the website. So unless you're using that... that um, Portfolio tracker, you're probably having a really hard time doing the math to figure out everything. Let's move right along and get to Charles. Uh, Charles, you're on financial issues.
10: Uh, excuse me. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, real quick, for Joe, I'm looking at my platform where I invest, and if I go to my the name of a um, a stock and I click on it, there's a drop down that tells me when each one was purchased. So you have your average cost basis, and then if you click on it, you go inside, and it shows the individual cost basis if you make different purchases over time. Um,
8: Absolutely, good
10: point. My question for you is, I'm, uh, thank God it's not a rapid Friday, right? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Um, It's, uh, I I read, actually I should say I heard, and then I read, um, again, it might be kind of a blanket statement, but that if a stock doubles, You should sell half. I have two of them that are up in the 80% growth. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I want to sell half because if my stock doubles, I kind of want my double to double, but I don't want to, you know what I mean, keep it too long either. I don't know if there's any kind of a, uh, a golden rule there.
4: Yep, you made a good point about not making blanket statements. And so I think what you read would kind of be a blanket statement. So, and you also touched on the other point that I was going to say. If you sell it, where are you going to put it? If a stock has doubled, it's usually for pretty good reason. It's because the company is currently successful in executing their business plan and because they have a pretty bright future. So, what I would say is that the, our strategy doesn't involve profit taking just for the sake of profit. Taking now, a lot of times, what happens is you know, um, kind of the guideline benchmark is to for your individual securities to have between one and three percent of your entire portfolio in one position. So, at the point if you started at three percent and it doubles to get to six percent yeah, you may, and it's now 6% of your whole portfolio, yeah, you may want to take some profit off the table. But let's say that you started on the lower end and you started with 1% and it's doubled, so it only makes up 2% of your overall portfolio. I know that's pretty simple math because there's a lot of other factors. Things could increase and decrease as well. But at 2%, you're still okay having the money in that one position. So um, I don't I don't think it's a, um, a hard, steadfast rule that you should do that.
10: Good, good. I appreciate that.
4: Good. All right, Charles, thanks for calling. Thanks for being a partner. We appreciate it very much. Let's go quickly to Roblin so we can get this last call in here today. Hi, Roblin. Roblin's from Texas.
7: Good morning, Shanna. Thanks for taking my call. I'll hurry up because I know it's getting to the end of the show. Um, But we're in the 65 plus allocation model, and some of the ET- the Timothy ETFs like one, five, and six are no longer in uh, our model, so I need to transition out of those. Um, the ETF two is still in the model, and I'm I am a little bit low there. So how would I how would, how would you recommend me transitioning to that slowly, a little bit at a time? And also, uh, I'm we're lacking in the the. Um, Timothy Mutual Funds or that okay. in our category.
4: Okay. So what I would say is look at the Timothy Mutual Funds and make sure that um, the ETFs that you may need to get out of aren't really similar to the mutual funds, because if they are, you could you could kind of stay there. Um, for one of, and I forget the, the uh, it's the international ETF, <clears throat> but for that one, you could just code it to other for now. You don't have to totally get out of it or anything that you think that you might want to keep. You can do that. Now, ETFs one and two and their enhanced counter Parts are pretty pretty similar, so the um, the the large cap one is going to be comprised of about three hundred securities, and then the um, that high dividend compo- uh, counterpart to that is narrowed down to the top one hundred dividend paying stocks. So the the large cap one is going to have a little bit more volatility because they are so similar. If you want to. Just keep it, you can. Um, you know, I don't recommend often deviating from the strategy, but I, I know that uh, if especially if you have a, a significant tax consequence to do so, um, it, it the trade-off may not be totally worth it. So you could consider staying in there if you have a higher risk tolerance, but the the focus is as you get into that 65 model is to get more dividend. Uh, more dividend income, and transitioning to that one will help.
6: Awesome.
7: Great.
4: All right. Thanks for calling.
7: Thank you, Shanna. Y'all have a blessed day. Well, folks, I know we're
4: right here at the end of the program, but I do not want to neglect giving you the Word of God today. We are in the season of Lent as we are reflecting on our sinful state as human beings and the marvelous thing that God did for us in sending Jesus Christ. Our scripture for today is Genesis 22, 8. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. So this is Abraham talking to Isaac and Isaac wondering, where are we going and where is this sacrifice that we're going to give the Lord? Um, You can just imagine the things that went through Abraham's mind as he was making this journey. Is this some kind of cruel joke? Why would God ask me to do this? so on and so forth, but it was an object lesson, and the main point is that even the blood of his own precious son wasn't enough to atone for sin, so God had to send his sinless precious son to make that sacrifice on our behalf. Let's prepare our hearts to celebrate Resurrection Sunday by reflecting on our own sin, repenting, and accepting Jesus Christ as the Lord of our lives. Well, folks, you want to find out more in the meantime, go to financialissues.org.
2: If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under.
8: Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.